Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 803 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined today by this guy, only this guy, the tank topped aficionado, Mr. No Sleeves himself, Look, James Dean Raider. I was re watching some matches. This morning, I was watching Zilmer Gwiz. And you just detonated your sleeves. He got me fired up. He just immediately popped up. He did. He really did. Honestly. What you... a celebration. You know I would not be opposed to a shirtless episode of that far out. It's nothing. Yeah. It re- he really did just literally immediately be like, all right, I got to let my pecs breathe. Yeah, yeah. It was tremendous. One of the guys, they said, no, you need to put the straps up. But they didn't tell Hayden Zilmer you had to. Eventually, once he was getting his picture, it's with so Bill fun. And the in my quest to find wrestling rules that are like actually spelled out, I actually found a rule that is at, they they went out of their way to get real clarity on this. You cannot take your straps down in, in freestyle wrestling. That is like spelled out in black and white. If you're looking for clarity on the step out rule, g- good luck, happy hunting to you. But they were black and white at least on that's in the rule book on wrestling's real problems. Yes, straps have to stay up while you're international on the wrestling rule book, not your middle school duels. It, international rule book. It's in the UWW. I'll I'll find it again. Cowards. Found, that was the one thing I did find. Bitcoin Ben is in the Grand Canyon on a hike. Um, a spiritual journey, as it were, in nature, connecting his body, heart, mind, and soul with the great outdoors, uh, as Ben is one to do. I hope he – listen, remember one time – he's such a hardo. You know, he wears – he goes on these hikes with flip-flops, but I think he's going to wear sneakers on this one because he paid a paid a dear, dear price one time. Um, and you know what? J- JD the, – the reason for JD's sleevelessness uh, is, is where I want to start the show today because for me – I was thinking back, like some of the biggest surprises of World Team Trials, Olympic Trials, um, in, in USA history, and, and what they were. And I really had to go back to 16 before I was this surprised with with the result, and and really two results with Dayton and with Dayton losing to Seth and, and Zilmer beating Quiz. Which one are you more surprised about? Uh well, so okay, there's different surprises. Um, so the surprise in, in, um, Dayton versus Seth was, whoa, Seth's really competing here and it's happening. The, the surprise with Gwiz and Zilmer is, let's, let's, let's paint the full picture. They wrestled in February. It was 3-0 Nick Wisdowski. Zero points. They wrestled match number one. It was 5-0 Nick Wisdowski. Zero points in 12 minutes of wrestling for, for Hayden Zilmer. It was 3-0 with 40 seconds to go. 17 minutes of wrestling. Zilmer has zero points in 17 minutes, okay? And then, poof, he gets that takedown and the quick step out. And just like that, he steals match number one. Um, that's that's Taylor versus uh, um, Zahid. The way they did it, it's kind of confusing. You got to go down one. Um Sorry, I'm talking to Tyler so we can pull in the highlight as we talk over it. Um, so then he does this. He wins 3-0 and you're like, or uh, 4-3. And you're like, okay, wow. We're going to have a match three. And then we're like back to our regularly scheduled programming where Zilmer's down 5-0 with less than a minute to go. And he comes back. And so... When you're when uh when he got down three when he was down three zero late in the second in match number three, I was like, okay, 
the question in my mind is when does he go? Does he go, does he wait a little bit and try to really replicate and thread that needle and try to take out Gwiz late, super late? And then he shoots in on this single and he gets tipped for two and then it's 5-0. And then I think everyone in the freaking gym was like, this is over. Again, it is once again over. It was over in match two. Now it's really super duper over. And Gwiz just fell fell off. He And he fell off hard. And he... Um, Gave up two really easy takedowns. And, and the difference between Gwiz's defense early in the match and Gwiz's defense late in the match is literally night and day. And it's like the flip of a switch. He could not stop the, the leg attacks, right? And I I was really, really, really surprised. I couldn't um, – I didn't expect that at all. I thought uh, it, it was expert strategy from, from Hayden Zilmer. But I can't remember being more surprised watching a series unfold. As whereas with with Gross and and Fix, you're kind of like alerted to it early when it was a five five match one win, right? And then it was just kind of it was very competitive, and it never seemed like there was never a time where. Although, as I say that, Dayton did jump out to leads in every single match. He was up like five zero and four one and three zero or something like that. So. I don't know why, but this was just way more surprising to me in the in the act, just to see Gwiz. Now, that being said, seeing Gwiz struggle late is something we we've seen at times before. We've seen like him just kind of hit a wall, um, but I just didn't expect Hayden Zilmer to to bring him there, right? And talking with with Trevor Bramble after the match, he was basically like, "Yeah, man, that guy with with a full tank." Under his hips is just he's a lot of problem. We did not want to be under there when he was feeling good. So we went under there when he was feeling less good, and he freaking won. And Hayden Zilmer is is on the world team. Um, it was it was an incredible incredible performance. And for it, I think this year's final X was really a neat opportunity for the for the journeyman for the guys that. I think it, in a lot of wrestling fans' eyes, mine, mine included, certainly was like, man, Evan Henderson's never going to be a guy threatening to make a world team. Seth Gross, he's really good, but he's never going to get by a Dayton fix. Hayden Zilmer, he's really good. Is this guy ever going to get? I mean, I, I'm glad we have this level of depth. I think he's a really high quality wrestler, but this is not someone that's going to make a world team. And he's on the world team, and they freaking you made didn't it even happen. Mention Nate Jackson, Chance Marsteller. Nate, it, yes, exactly right. Who Nate two, took got the matches. two biggest wins. At any fin- at either final X. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You're exactly right. Chance Marsteller. This guy's not gonna threaten to make a team. He beat the goat. This guy, Nate Jackson. He's really good, but he lost five zero or six zero to to Jaden Cox. He's not gonna beat him. Um, and he took a match from him. And I I was really um I I think it's cool for that. I think it's good for USA wrestling in general that these guys can can run down legends. I mean. Uh, Jaden's a Jaden's a legend. Jordan's a legend. I mean, Nick Wazdowski's a how many world teams and and got medals at the international level. Dayton Fix buzzsawed through his entire side of the bracket at the world championships. A tough draw, um, and really, he, Dayton Tech, the the number one ranked guy in in the world right now. That's that could be at Worlds Hartunian. So, I think. You know, you're looking at USA Wrestling, and you can't be anything but excited. And another thing, another nugget I learned uh, that night in New York City is talking with, with Coach Bramble, it was basically like, look, 
this was we really felt like this is Hayden's window to make the team because they fully expect Gable to be back in 2023 and 2024. Heavyweight and you turned into RTCU. RTC heavyweight you. It's just <laughs> it's their Golden Govers. And now, um, you know, Zilmer's an interesting story because the guy was an 84-pounder. Um, he, you know, wrestled in the, at Fargo at 88 pounds. 88, not a one in front of it as high schooler. Now he's, um, you know, at the highest weight class on the world team. And, you know, so now the question is, well, how good is our team and how good are we at these weight classes? You know, I'm not as sure. And, you know, is, is Seth – it's hard to say Seth Gross is going to be an improvement for us at 61, but he did just beat the guy. Twice. It, two times like, it happened. Seth Gross is such a weird wrestler. Like, I, I wouldn't I obviously didn't pick him to take a match from Dayton, but if you tell me he takes one match from Dayton and a funky, weird yeah. sort of thing, like, it's like, okay, I see it. But to get it done twice, that was – very surprising. It has me feeling better about him going into Worlds than if yeah. he would have said he's our guy pre-Dayton series. But because he's a guy who's going to give a weird look. He could beat, I don't want to say anybody, but he, he can beat a lot of guys in the world yeah. because he's got that weird, funky style that's hard to replicate. He's also a guy who can lose <laughs> to Jesse Mendez. And the problem is, and here's, here's what Seth benefits from, multiple cracks, get a feel, make an adjustment. There's, there's, it's different at Worlds, right? And you saw that everyone watched Yanni's loss. You're like, man, if he could just wrestle that guy again. But that's just how it goes. You don't get another crack at these guys till the next year. There's no wrestlebacks. There's no opportunity. Maybe you'll get pulled back through, but maybe not. And that's where I think Gross, he's such a smart wrestler, but he really benefits from that initial feel. We saw that with Dayton, right? He, got, he lost 11-0. Then it was a 5-5 loss. Just that over in within a year, he'd made up that much of a gap on Dayton who really you see there's no signs that Dayton is falling off regressing or anything like that he's he's looked fine so I think it's um I I think you get excited and you know we we brought home a medal here when we didn't expect it our backup brought a medal home here in 2018 with Joe Cologne this guy did not win final x he lost to Nishan Garrett his last match against Nishan he was tech fault and he brought home a world bronze medal so our depth can't be underrated, and guys, you know, someone told me, um, I, I remember a, a, a head coach, D1 head coach, he's like, Cologne is going to get teched in the first round, and then he's going to be out, and the guy brought home a world bronze medal. So you just don't know at this level, uh, and, and that, that, that's a coach that, that has brought home international hardware. So you, it's, you never know with, with these guys. Now, Zilmer... Zilmer's an, an interesting cat because he's undersized for, for the weight, obviously, but it's obviously also a benefit to him. Right? He's a little more mobile. I like that he's strong in the in the hand fight and upper body stuff. This is a guy who made two national teams in Greco. In the same year, he made the freestyle and the Greco national team. That's really, really impressive. So excited for, for Hayden Zilmer. Really excited for Gable, who... You know, the, the idea that we can see him again and he... Uh, Once again, teasing. He is going to... This is just going to be Gable forever. I think until he's I'm like... I'm not taking the bait anymore. What bait? It's happening. It's not bait. I know, but I'm not indulging like in the, oh, the social indul- media. Indulge. What, what? What's not to indulge? What's not fun about it? Why don't you want to indulge? Uh, I'm just over it. Okay, yeah, he's teasing. He's going to continue to tease. He might come back. He might not. We'll see. 
He probably is, but who knows? He might not. Some people like to be teased. You know, <laughs> not me. <laughs> no, don't tease JD. Um, guy, guy was teased too much as a child. Who's to say where, where this goes back to? We can't psychologically unpack. Um, stop Only talking. Floyd can. Keith Gothard, we're we're never gonna stop. We're not gonna stop talking Gable. Yeah, Keith. Keith's you're on not, my point. Listen, Keith Gothard. If it was up to him, we'd be talking heavyweights. This would be heavyweight radio live. That's what he wants. <laughs> Okay, high times heavyweight radio live. That's what Keith Gothard wants. Well, we're gonna talk about Gable. He can get the Olympic champ can get two minutes of our time. Can we not make two minutes for for Dan for Gable Dan? Give him a lot more than two minutes. Yeah. Um. So anyway, that's that's very exciting. Like, Zoom. I will say, I like I like Hayden against the top three guys. He doesn't stand a chance. Well, and that's the thing. The, but after that, I'm saying there's a chance. He's he needs that. He needs that. Perfect four spot. This was the spot that, um, that, that um, Gwiz found him in last last year. With mm-hmm. like he was on the Akul Petriashvili side opposite yep. Zare. So you knew you had to beat one of them to medal, and that that just is not happening if it's right. not Gable. And so that's what we need. That's what Zilmer needs. He needs to be opposite those guys. We need all three of them on one side somehow. I don't know how the seedings gonna is looking to shape up this year, but Turkey with Akul, Georgia with Petriashvili, and, and Zare Iran look to be basically unbeatable for America right now, barring Gable. So we need to be away from that those guys, which there's a, I don't know, 25% chance maybe that that happens, maybe less than that, that you avoid them. Um, I think he can happen. I think he's a weird match for Zare, though, says Kyle Terry. I think he's a nightmare match. I think Zare's a nightmare matchup for Zare. Yeah, I, I really, there really is no good matchup for Zare. Other than Gable. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, the, like freak? <laughs> he's got, you need a, yeah, you need an absolute freak to, to contend with that hand fight. He's going to run Hayden. I'm sorry. I just think. And I say this: insert heavyweight in a in the on the world not named Gable. Correct, yes, he's going to get to his underhooks and move them all over the place. He's that dude right now. Zari is that dude, and I'm not gonna. Man, I would love to see it, but man, you give up some horsepower against Zari. You just need to watch more of this guy. He is a a, a freak of nature. So, I <laughs> Gothard with Splato Zari. Um, he didn't even spell it right. Gothard's blazed already. Can't even spell spladle. Can't even put the L's in the right place. Um, yeah, well, he's probably never been spladled, to be fair. But I, I, I so I'm not as high on on Zilmer. But I, but honestly, Zilmer or Gwiz, I think it's obviously a very similar similar chance. I think heavyweight is a unique weight class in the world where there's just three total total beasts, legends, world Olympic champion type of guys three world champions so that's really good and maybe four in a year or two gable zare is he brought it up i brought, he it, up. brought, it, I brought up. it up i brought it up only casey mcwarder he said it not me under because i'm saying this that gable zare is the international match to make there is oh, no yeah. bigger better international match at this point certainly no bigger yet. yes certainly <laughs> on a pound for pound scale basis um yeah, I can't. Um, yeah, I'm, it's, I have a hard time thinking of a better potential matchup. I mean, okay, which ones do I want to see? I mean, I really want to see a combination of I want Sidikov Dake, Dake, Kadi Magomedov, obviously. 
I would love to see Dake versus JB at 79. That's not really an international way. Um, I'd like to see JB get another shot at Sitikov. Uh, those are some of the matches. I'm, I've cooled on anyone versus Sajalayev unless Sajalayev goes heavyweight or something. Like, I just, that guy is just on a, a different, different strata. Um, so, want to get to some more matches because there were more. Um, parting thought on the heavyweight, the t- biggest takeaway from Final X, Gable. Oh. I, and I will say, Gwiz put, I don't know if you noticed, Gwiz put on a knee pad in match two that he wasn't wearing in one and three. Really? Yeah, it was just like a little knee sleeve, but he wasn't wearing it in match one or three, but he wore it in match two. I don't know if a uh, little something going on or whatnot. Also, he also changed his singlet between matches one and two. Yes, he did, per Looking. rules. Oh, uh, so you say. <laughs> um, I really like the... Like, knee pull to double that Zilmer hit. Was it in two? Mm-hmm. To take was down. I wish more guys, especially at heavyweight, would do that. Which one? Like, like it's sanding, like, knee pick. Yeah. But then you pull yourself into a double. Yes. It's really nice. Man, Gwiz had one of the... He had a beautiful, like... His leg attacks were, were so smooth. when, he, Especially his high-level ones. It was really, really nice. Um, but he, he, he was gassed. Because... He late in match three. How how do you let Zilmer circle in when you have front head? You put him in front head. You take him to the zone. Okay. Zilmer just circles in. You put your butt to the outside and walk out. So, but here's. So I thought Zilmer totally made that entire scenario happen. I remember thinking, when Gwiz had him in the front head and was marching him backwards, I was like, it would seem like Hayden could circle, but I felt like he was just letting. Gwiz push, push so him he, to the zone so that he could change and, and then drive him, him out. It did look way way too easy. He for sure was gassed, but I also think that was just a level of headiness from Zilmer. I think maybe surprised Gwiz because Gwiz mm-hmm. is so heady, right? Um, this is this is the most heavyweight uh, heavy <laughs> we've ever had. But th- thanks to Hayden Zilmer. Um, so okay, another thing I really want to talk about is um, is is Dake, Dake North, and I thought this was interesting because and it's similar, almost a similar thing with Jaden Cox, and there's a little bit of nervousness, concern, whatever you want to call it, with how those guys made the team, right? It wasn't the dominant sort of, you know, blowing through their, blowing through, um, their opponents, right? And so then the obvious question is we have we have legend after legend after legend on the team. It's really an unprecedented time. And they're all on the, the back nine of their career um, for, for the most part, right? The, the second half. I'm not saying they're on their way out, but second half is, is not in dispute. Jordan. Jordan put it out there. Yes, he and, did. And we'll get, we'll get to that for sure. But so with, with Dake, you know, the question is, you know, how much longer is he going to be at a really high level? And people want to use this close series with Jason Knopf as uh, maybe evidence that Dake is on the on the way out because, you know, he didn't he did not have a takedown in these matches, right? Zero takedowns. He really wasn't take taking many leg attacks, offensive attacks. And I I just have to say I could not be less concerned about Kyle Dake based on this match performance. Because 
what, when I think you should be surprised or nervous or thinking, hey, man, maybe we're getting to a different sort of era with Dake or any wrestler or athlete is when you start seeing things you hadn't seen before, when things start to look really, really different. And I mean, this Kyle Dake having matches where you're like, it feels like he can score whenever he wants. He just doesn't quite pull the trigger. But That's just, the whole story of his whole career. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy on his Hodge campaign, match number one of the NCAAs, he, he had like a 2-0, 2-1, I think a 2-0 win over Mark Martin, a zero-time All-American, right, in, in at the NCAA tournament. These things That's why he'll never win a message board match. He will never win, and it's <laughs> it's got to be devastating for him. He's, he's uh, the worst wrestler in the Matt Forum's history. And... I think that I look at that and I say, okay, so so he won narrowly. He didn't fire off leg attacks. He's wrestling uh, a, a monster in Jason Nolf, a guy that's really, really, really good, a guy who chewed his way through the World Team Trials without an even remotely difficult match. And there's also a couple things working against Kyle in this scenario. One, it's, his, it's Nolf's third crack at him. Mm-hmm. Two... They've had Nolf has basically had the better part of a year knowing he's only got to beat one guy. He's got let's just call it what it is the the best game planners in in the country right now in his corner with with the Nittany Lion coterie right. Those guys are just they're just good at that. They figure out how to win matches specifically against guys. Now Dake is a code they've never cracked right. They've they've never been able to, but that's true for almost everyone. Um, but they they made it really interesting there. He did some things, and I would have really liked talking to D- Dake and understanding. Like he said, Nolf had a really really good game plan. But I want to get okay. Well, I want to know what that is. What what was he doing that was disruptive? What was he doing that made it tougher for Kyle? Um, but for for Dake, is there a cause for concern? I say no. I, I I'm not concerned. I give credit. I give credit to Jason Nolf. Um, I give, but and here's the other thing. The last point, and then, then I'll let you go. I know I've got a lot of this. Um, so it was one Dake, and Nolf gets the takedown. And we're like, oh man, that that's really something. He gets the takedown at two fifteen. By two oh six, in the match, nine seconds later, <laughs> Dake is back in the lead. Okay, that happened. So uh, Nolf had the lead for nine seconds. Then. In match two, Nolf is in the lead for four seconds. Shot clock point comes up. Dake immediately scores. Immediately. So this guy, he could get it whenever he wanted to, whenever he needed to. And the guys, he's like, my defense is is insane. And they trust it. And I think that's what we see a little bit with with Jaden. I think with these defensive uh, masterminds, these guys that are so hard to score on, they know they can trust it. They know their defense is going to be there. And so when you see Dake take a leg attack and bomb Jason Nolf or destroy someone or score so easily, and when you see J- Jaden Cox get his fake and stab for that left side and then get in that single, you're like, you could do that all the time. And maybe they could, but they, I think something with their, their – I think there's something to their defense and them just having the ultimate faith and trust in that. And that can yield some matches where you're like, man, they didn't do a whole lot, but – at the same time, did they need to? D- 
Dake, Dake scored literally the moments he needed to. There was never uh, a period of time. Did he want to give up the leg late in that match to, to Nolf let him in? I'm, I'm sure probably not. But, again, the chest wrap made it more of a, a scoring opportunity for Dake than it did for Nolf. Yeah, my whole thing – or not whole thing. I'm not concerned because I, I thought it was the same thing as you. Dake clearly was like – when I got the points we into, it's just when was the last time we saw him get taken down? Well, Tokyo. Um, uh, yes. But, but um, yeah, beyond that, it's 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 certainly a rarity. Uh, it didn't happen at the Olympic trials, including in two matches with Jordan. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Maybe if Jordan got one at the end, but I don't think he did. Uh, so I, I don't think uh, – it is a rarity. And the what honestly surprised me more than anything was when Nolf got in. And this is a dead rights position, so maybe I'm looking into it too much. But I thought he, it would be a little tougher for Nolf to get that finish from the quad pod than it was. And he did, did a great job there. And maybe I'm overlook, or looking too much into that position. But Dake is really, really good there. And I, I wouldn't have been surprised at all if that just ended up being one for Nolf. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was... That was a really impressive exchange there for Nolf. And, yeah, should, should give a, a glimmer of hope to the competition, but no Sitikov, likely. No Kadi Magomedov, likely. And it's going to be tough to see anyone. It's going to be him and Chimizo, you have to figure. Yeah. Or Salk. Yeah, I don't think Salk really stands a chance. It's pretty much just Chimizo. And, and even Chimizo, uh, I don't know. Dig is by far and away my... Highest confident gold pick. Really? Or who? Um, I guess. Um, I mean, I think Jordan is a pretty. Yes. Who's? But I'm more confident in Dake. You're more confident in Dake. We just saw Jordan Burroughs lose to Chance Marsteller. Yeah. Um. True. I mean, Jordan won worlds last year with on a bum bum wheel, yeah, basically. And I'm, Still picking Jordan to win gold. He had a, I think, didn't he? He had like a two to one match with the Iranian at the uh, at the Usher Doe. I think yeah. who will maybe be back, maybe not, because there's another tough guy there. He was kind of. He beat him five late. to one. The same guy he beat five to one in the finals um, last year. That guy was scared of him. He did not want to. He didn't wrestle Jordan at all. That's uh, the way to do it. Chance showed. <laughs> yeah. So. Cause for alarm for Kyle Dake, no, no. none, none here. I don't even think it's a scenario where Nolf closed the gap. Like maybe a little, but to me that's just a you see a guy enough times. Oh wait, obviously Jeff Baxter. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, who just said it? Snyder, Snyder with no Russian tank is the number one actually. He- no, Iran. He probably should have lost that match he, last year. He definitely should have, but did not. I think that was the that was the Iranians' one one chance. He might not even be the guy. Mohammedian might be the guy. I hope so. Mohammedian has no offense. He had one tournament where he looked like yes. He was, uh, let's say, back to his former self, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> no, probably right here. Right. That's, look, like I that's said, more I, effective. I'll still probably. I'm still. Picking JB to win gold, but I'm just more confident in Dake. Okay, I see that. The um, another thought that that Bader actually said between matches or when we're the headsets were off was like, 
I think they're both better at 79. He thinks Dake's better at 79. He thinks Burrow's better at 79. And I think I I think I probably agree. I think think the GB, co- yes. Dake. Um Compa- I don't know. Compare, yeah, I think so. I think I think Dake's best weight is 79 kilograms. If all he was things- bombing dudes at 79. He, he Dake bombs. He was. He was bombing dudes. I think. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the cut is is a thing, and that is that maybe why he wasn't you know firing off a lot of attacks. I don't know. I didn't think Dake looked spent out there, and Dake is someone who can look tired and wrestle through it, but it didn't look like one of those scenarios. And Nolf can take it out of a guy too. So I, I did not find that Dake appeared to be tired or suffering from the get. But I do kind of think they're both better at 79. Dake also loves to look tired and just not be tired. And not be tired. <laughs> he's he's uh, he's 10% Russian in this way, and that they can look tired. He's very much Ben Askren-esque in that way. Because ben, ben, ben notoriously, like, hands on knees, uh, like, yeah, he, he says, like, body language. Eh, don't worry about Overrated. it. Overrated. Yeah. He's a reverse psychology body that's language right. guy. Okay, that's interesting. Maybe that's maybe Dake's been playing that level of chess with us for this long. Um. So okay, so not worried about about Kyle Dake at all. Um, he scored literally at the. Oh, I do have to talk about this. Uh, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to throw the step out caution and one into the ocean. That the new one plus one thing. And if you go to the end of or towards the end of the Dake Nolf uh, scoring highlight of match one. Okay, that's where you're going with those. But it's interesting you brought that rule up first. Well, I it's just how it came, we're talking about Dake now. So, um, does Flow Wrestling have an employee dress code? No, there couldn't <laughs> be less of a dress code. Oh, you know what's funny? Who was it? Um, maybe it was. Oh yeah, Tyler. Tyler, our new guy. Uh, new shooter dude was like hey man what, what should i wear on the first day uh of work and i he texted me and i was just like laughing because i'm sitting next to mike mal who literally doesn't have shoes he's not wearing shoes he's wearing this i'm like well this is what this guy's wearing <laughs> jd looks like somewhere he's like homeless chic um right now he's you know um looks like he's straight from the ozark bachelor party where he was at this weekend um so not this one uh i was thinking we can get to this one, Tyler. I want to see the Dake uh, Nolf match one. Um, if you just pull in the scoring play, highlight and let it play, that'll that'll be just fine because it's in the towards the beginning of that file. Um, because so Nolf gets the takedown, and then Dake is immediately like, "All right, I got to score." So he gets underneath. He's in the seatbelt, and what you'll see if you're not if you're just listening. Um, he gets to a seatbelt position and he's driving, driving, driving. And Nolf is like, looks to me, I would describe it as circling away. So um, right after this takedown that Nolf gets, you'll see, um, and if you look at the scoreboard, you can see how quickly afterwards Dake tries to score. He's like, all right, I should score now. And he does. So he gets his seatbelt here and Nolf, look at Nolf, circle, 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 circle. And Nolf, and Dake is just in a great position with that seatbelt. And he drives him out of bounds, uh, and that, and that's probably good. It, we could play it again or not, but that's the scenario I'm talking about. I just don't think that's that's a instance where you go caution in one. I, thought, I agree. I think I think this is not a guy. He's circling in, and 
Dake is taking him out of bounds for that point. And we can't forget that. We can't forget that. And also, that's not a takedown imminent scenario, the seatbelt. This is not like a rear standing sprinting Which, out of bounds. For the record, I don't like the way that is necessarily worded either because I don't like when a guy gets in on like a single leg, treetop, walks a guy out of bounds, and that's caution in one. You know how hard it is to fight back on one leg yeah, like that? Like, it's imminent that you're going to get taken out. Yeah, you're on one foot. The, yes. The, if anything, the guy who's on two feet is dictating where it's going, is Correct. bringing the action out of bounds. And that gets called caution in one as well. And that's the thing. It's like it's one thing in freestyle or folk style where if you're if you're going out of bounds, it is absolutely rewarded and incentivized. Going out of bounds in freestyle wrestling is supposed to be a point. So you're going to a scoring area. You're giving up points. So I don't understand how this is a, a flee because what's he fleeing to give up a point? He's fleeing to get scored on. That doesn't make sense. There's not an imminent takedown, and he's not backing straight out of bounds. You watch him circle, circle, circle. And so this, to me, spells disaster at, at, at the highest levels, right? Think of the impact a one plus one can have in a match. And if this is what's one plus one, then almost anything is. Especially when caution's the second criteria and third one, you're out. Yeah, and now now you've you've created this scenario where step outs are two point moves, uh, and that's that's dangerous to me, especially given man the the I, I'm ready to just declare all the folk style people right. I mean, I think I think maybe you're right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Shane Sparks, whenever he comes back, maybe it's Paul. These these rules are a, a travesty. They're so bad. The edge is so bad. It's so poorly officiated. It's so poorly written in the rules that. It, it makes it so no one knows what, how this is going to be called to the point, and we can pull it in now, Tyler, the, the Jordan Bros. Chance Marsteller scenario. And these we have the best of the best on the mat right now um, for, for these matches. And an identical scenario is called completely differently back-to-back sequences. So what I'm talking about is Jordan uh, is down 2-0 to, to Chance, or 2-1. And he's he's trying to get the points. He's trying to get the points, and um, so what we're seeing here, you can pull it in basically at this point. Um, Jordan's got a score, and Chance is kind of he's backing away, backing away, and he's doing what a lot of wrestlers do when they're nearly getting stepped out. They drop to both knees. Look like we're seeing right here. Drop to both knees, shoved out of bounds, grounded. No points. No nothing. Okay. Freeze for one second. Now, a reminder. In freestyle wrestling, there's no warning system. There's no accumulation of things make it so that a call changes, right? It's not like stalling in in wrestling, okay? So you can't just say that this is not one, and then we can play it now, and then say the exact identical scenario is now one. What is the... What is the difference? What is the difference? Someone point to me the difference in this exchange. Marsteller evading. He was evading before. He intentionally grounds himself. He did that before. Uh, he gets driven out of bounds. Sammy Julian did warn him that time. I don't know if he did the first time verbally. I don't think that can... But that. <clears throat> but the bottom line is they gave one, oh, just a one-point step out here. Or a caution or whatever. They, they, they gave caution. I, identical That's scenario. That's why I restarted in part two. Yeah. Identical scenarios can't have completely different... Well, I'm just saying, if you verbally warned him, that's a different. 
Can thing. you you can either drop to your knees and get shoved out of bounds, oh, yeah, and, or you and can't. I agree, and I agree with you. You can't. You shouldn't be able to take grounded, the grounded rule, uh, shove it into a box, ship it to Mars, and nuke it forever. Uh, Elon Musk. Elon, yeah. Elon. I'll talk to my boy. I got a rule that you need to. We, we'll box it up. No problem. No it, issue there. And I so I don't. It's, go ahead. It's because of the way grounded is ruled in the UWW rule books that any wrestler on a knee is basically grounded. Mm -hmm. um, so that gets confusing uh, a lot of times. But yes, I agree. Grounded, dumb, stupid. Uh, Hat tip to uh, to uh, the NYCRTC and NJRTC for putting together a perfect game plan and knowing this. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, but it, it's it's dumb. It rewards the defensive wrestler. It's easy to game, and it's not. It's hard to call consistent. I think that's why, because like by rule, and then the rules get tricky too, where you see it how it should be. In, some people say it should be interpreted that if a wrestler intentionally drops to a knee, then it's not. But if he's not intentionally yeah. dropping, then that that leads so much up for if discretion. The word, if the just word, make them make the out of bounds hot lava. If the word intent is involved, the the rule is DOA. Because yeah. now we're getting into the I am tr getting inside your brain and predicting your intent, and I I just don't think that makes any sense. Black and white. Yes or no, but it's just got to be binary here. If you're going out of bounds, and why would you have a rule that so drastically benefits the defensive wrestler, the guy trying to not score, the guy trying to not be in bounds? Why would you make a rule that helps that guy? Make a rule that helps the guy that is trying to score. That's that's the way you do it. So that, that's what you know the NFL does, what the NBA does. You make rules that benefit offense, right? You don't give a bailout. To some guy that's just dropping down, and this is you know we're 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 talking about chance. There's any number of athletes that this applies to. It applies to so many. It's applied to Jordan Burroughs in the past. It's applied to David Taylor in the past. It's applied to many 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 different wrestlers. It's just a it's just a bad rule, and I don't envy the position that the officials are in because it is not. They're sort of set up here because mm -hmm. the way the rule is written is preposterous. But it's not it's not a good thing. Did now. This was not necessarily a case of poor officiating, in my opinion. I do not blame no. Marceller one bit for no. doing what he did. In fact, I, like I said, I tip my hat to him for doing it because that's basically how you have to beat Jordan Burroughs, especially when, and no one is, except for maybe one or two people on the planet, like you can match his athleticism and power. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's just, it, it's a bad rule. And so it, it's got to change. I've been... We, I've been saying it since it's been a rule, and it's showing its ugly side more than ever. Yes. Last weekend. Yeah, I week. completely agree. And I think when you look at um, the Chance JB thing, and J the first match was not super, it was kind of just a methodical win for Jordan. It looked good, got his points, no issues. And then the, the most surprising thing about match two was that. You would think, okay, if Chance beats Jordan, how would you think it'd go? Maybe maybe Jordan's up 2-0 on a pair of ones late, and he gets a, gets taken down at the end, and then something like that. Mm -hmm. That I could see that. He got his two, Chance Marsteller, 30 seconds into the match, and he sat on that lead and protected it for five and a half minutes. This wasn't a Dake scenario. Uh, what do you mean? Like Dake gets down, scores. Right no, away, no, no. Goes back in the lead. Exactly right. 
he uh, he was able to hold Jordan off for five and a half minutes, and he did it intelligently. He did it being positionally so sound. He ate a number of double legs. He could absorb. He changed the mat multiple times. You, you got to give a lot of credit here in match two. Absolutely, and he uh, another part of his game plan clearly was staying in contact with Jordan Burroughs in the collar tie, yeah. not letting Jordan get any space, constantly crowding him, not letting him get any space. In a couple of seconds, he did give him space. Hands basically down on the mat, ready to catch that double leg. Because that's how he lost in the path. And he didn't even, like, didn't even work fakes until maybe the last mm-hmm. few seconds. Because he knew, if I fake, Jordan just times that. Yes. Takes me down. That's how he got taken at uh, the Osher Doe. Like, Jordan... He faked from the outside, and Jordan timed it perfectly. It was on his legs before he probably even knew what happened. Even when he was losing in match three by five points, he stood straight up and down and said, Jordan, please come shoot on me. Yeah, yeah. He's. Um, I don't think he took one shot the entire series. No, I, I don't think he did either. And he's a this chance to like You could tell he had a very specific game plan he he was working to execute. And he, he freaking did it uh, in that match. But Jordan showed his medal in the in the second match and and really chance he made it competitive he made it interesting um, you got to tip your hat but once again it's Jordan Burroughs being our rep for the um, I think I said it eleventh time this is his eleventh team mm-hmm. that's insane and you, you got to feel good about it I don't you know I think it's good that we're getting tested you know. Date got tested. Good. Jordan got tested. Good. Um, Jaden lost a match. Right. I, these aren't the worst things. I think it's it's a sign of the depth of America. It's a sign of, I think, to me, the the strength of the RTC ecosystem in terms of development and guys that really buy into places that have dedicated coaching staffs like. You know the the job that Reese Humphrey's done with Nate and and Chance, and a lot of people have had a hand in Chance Marshall, right, o- over the years. And he gave a lot of credit to Coach Colad at Navy, and he knew he needed some more challenging partners. I think was what led to the change that for him to go to New York City, and that's that's been really good for him. Um, so I think you give credit there. You gotta give credit to Minnesota, what they did with with Hayden Zilmer, and um, the full time training opportunities have been been huge for those guys and yeah usa wrestling isn't a good place jeff baxter i agree with that um maybe your first good take of the day jeff i don't know um <laughs> uh, yeah i'm loving the chat i'm gonna get i'm gonna try to, i got both i got youtube open i've got facebook um so if you watch on the app you've also got the app chat he's going. got the app chat going and stuff i need like a motherboard here of just like screens and chatting that i can do. um right now i'm you know, we're really – this is some real blue-collar blue grit we're showing here. <laughs> Navigating multiple chat screens and the show document, JD. This is some real working-class stuff. Um, so that was uh, – Chance Jordan was was so exciting. I did not think um, Chance was going to take a match from him. And when you watch their match overseas, he – like you pointed out, he picked him apart with fakes Chance would fake, and he was just, like, teleporting to the leg. And mm-hmm. then he's like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. This is a smart – Chance is a smart wrestler. And I'm really hopeful that um, more than anything, Chance can continue to improve and keep his life on on the right path. I think that's the – that would be the coolest part of this – of all of Final X is if Chance can, can continue that. Um, so that was really cool. 
So now we're going to talk about Jordan's comments. We, oh, yeah. So he he put it out there, 2024, no take backs, he's done. I actually haven't listened to, to this interview yet. It's great. I, I would highly encourage you to do so. It's 18 minutes long. <laughs> I threw it up on the app, listened to it uh, when I got home. It was great. Uh, and he said, yeah, 24, I want another shot at Dake. I want another shot at Sidikoff. But no matter what, I'm going to be done. He's like, it's good for me to have that firm deadline or firm timeline in in my mind that there's no, there's not going to be a, a, a change, right? So it's interesting because the the retirement question for Jordan has been on the table since 2016. Uh, it was commonly thought that there's a, there's a chance after 2016 Jordan hangs it up. And that was prior to him losing at the Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe if he wins it all, maybe he does. Maybe he says, you know what, I just, I did it. Probably not, but it was a thought to the point that if anyone, for you longtime listeners, remember we had Jordan on prior to the Olympics, and he, uh, as a very gullible person that I am, he he said, he told me, he's like, hey, after after this, uh, after 2016 Olympics, I'm going to retire. And then he said, I was just kidding, but he, he got me. And, but, but he was able to pull that joke off because it was a thought then. Eight years from when he's <laughs> going to actually retire. This is like, uh, I don't know, if you remember the Brett Favre saga. Sorry, Bracky, but your boy was just very dramatic with his retirements. Not retiring, unretired. Um, but for Jordan, it's kind of been over the span of a couple of years. And what was cool was after the Olympics trials in 21, he's like, I'm definitely not done. That was awesome. But now 24, firm deadline. Changing of the guard happening at some point, whether it's 20, uh, where 2024 is when the last time you'll watch Jordan Burroughs wrestle, which is um, kind of sad, but it's, it's exciting that we're, we're going to, it's only 2022. So, you know, it's not, it's not a funeral, right? And we've got a lot of time, but it does make you really appreciate that the, the ride you've been on with this guy. He's given people a lot of really incredible wrestling memories. And, Nothing like it in at least my lifetime of wrestling. No, yeah. Ne- never seen anything uh, like Jordan. And you think about the state. I mean, we don't have to go into a Jordan Burroughs saga right now. No. We can save that for later. But, but you know, I'll never turn it down. It, I mean, just look at the state of USA wrestling pre yeah. and post Jordan Burroughs. It, it, it is insane. And, you know, you do have to give him some, some partial credit for that. A hundred percent. He definitely um, had a huge impact on that. And, yeah, I mean, I just remember – You th- I mean, we don't have a lot of freestyle re- – unfortunately, there's not a lot of freestyle wrestling fans now. But back in 2010, 2009, it was just like – it was so sad being a freestyle wrestling fan for America because the rules were terrible and we were not very good. We were not bringing home medals. We were around one, zero. It was just hard, hard times. We were – the, the sport was almost unwatchable, too, because the rules were so bad. It was just mm-hmm. a, a ball draw extravaganza, and it, w- it wasn't exciting. And now we're so good. We have, like, all these legends that are – and many of them are, like, really, um, you know, linked. Dake, Burroughs, Taylor are linked. And then Taylor, Dake, Cox are linked. And Cox Snyder or Link. Like, they're all sort of in this sort of legendary ecosystem facing each other. Um, 
Yeah. Don't forget, they can tailor linked because of Jordan. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And Cox. I, yeah. Partially so as well. <laughs> they've all they all have beaten each other, basically. You could do the transitive game for all these dudes. So yeah, very, very um yeah. And you kind of figure twenty twenty four would, would be it. That made sense. But Someone wants to know if you're a member of the NRA. I don't know if I don't know. Just don't answer that. Even bring it up. I don't know why I asked. I just read it. Oh, it's Israel Thomas. Um, yeah. Better question from Mr. Pantaleo. Does JB go down to 74 in 2023? He said. He says yes. He's oh, not 23 though. Oh, 2023. No. Um, I think he's like, let me get two more titles and yeah. then, then, then figure it out. Also, I you, hope you I, still get to sit to assuming. Both he and Kyle medal in 2023 at 74 and 79. He would still get to sit to semis. He would still get to sit to the semis. I I am going to continue to be on the he should go up, not down. I don't think three years later making 74 day of is going to be any easier. There's no – I don't think there's any data that would suggest it would be anything but harder, right, as you age. Um, if what I've learned about aging is correct – Unless he just had a really bad cut. He just didn't look like the same guy. Maybe maybe I'm just not giving enough credit to Dake for doing what he did. Is that possible? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but I, I just didn't think he looked quite like himself. And now D- Dake could beat Burroughs on a good cut, right? He's done that. He did that in Correct. 2017. So I, I know that that's a possibility. But I just don't – yeah. I think 74 is just a really big ask for, for him. And I think they can navigate that cut a little bit better. But, yeah, we're going to um, – it will come to an end. And now it was interesting talking with Dake about it. He's always always said 2024 for sure. He was going through 2024. And he was basically like 2028, we'll see. Um, but it's obviously really interesting, intriguing to him because it's in L.A. He thinks, obviously, that's that's awesome for – myriad reasons and it just depends how he's how he's feeling if he wants to continue doing it i hope he does um i think it'd be great the longevity and man you know what i was thinking about we haven't said said the name yet um david taylor and i look at what he just did at final x to the guy that people people were really i mean zahida valencia obviously was was saying hey there's there's i'm gonna win but there are a lot of people that were thinking this is going to be really interesting. This is going to be really competitive. And I know the first match sort of was, but I, I did not. Zahid was not really that close to me. And the one, the step out that he got was really, you know, I don't even know. Zahid grounded himself. And as David's trying to circle behind, be offensive, the offensive wrestler gets punished here by this, this grounded rule. And David steps out. But not through any action of Zahid. It's just... Um. Anyway, that's that's the rule's terrible. What what can you do? But da- but David was not really particularly threatened here. And then in match two, what he did to Zahid, just yeah. absolute decimation, devastation. Um. And he he never looked back. And so my question here is, who is gonna knock this dude off? Who David. is who is close? And you got to do it twice. Mind you, you've got to do it twice. Jaden's not making 86 anymore. Yeah, the U.S., there's nobody. There's there's nobody. And so so what I'm saying, what I'm saying here, <laughs> Jeff Pax, we saw two upsets. Yeah, I guess so. Um, 
So what what my question is, who is going to knock this guy off in 23, 24, 25? Who is who is really that close? No one's close right now. You're looking way down the line, talking 2025, Aaron Brooks maybe. We'll see. I mean, he didn't even enter the trials. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm talking I know. three, four years down yeah, the line here. For sure. He'll be in the mix but then. it's not happening anytime pre-2024, I think. So. And we'll see if I have uh, the statistics. I tried to go on my favorite um, – hold on. It just got shared with me. I'm trying to find some information about – everyone talks about David and his – what? What do we think about David the most? We think about pace, offense, points. The guy just gets – so many um he scores so so many people really cannot score on this guy um he has a really hard time giving up the people really struggle to generate points against him i don't have the data to back up back this up in front of me but his base is clearly slowed um and he is much more of a you think from like 2017 18 mm-hmm. yes i do Okay, so I'll read. I don't. I don't know that. Um, yeah, I don't know that. So here, I think he's much less of a gunslinger now, and is much more choosy with his spots. And when he is, he scores and he gets a lot of points, and he doesn't give give up points, so he gets tech fall. I mean, he still gets tech falls, but they're ten zero or. Okay, he lost to. Um, he in the Yazdani loss. He gave up. Did he give up six points to Yazdani in the world final? Um, I guess so. Yes. So he's given up zero points, two points, six to Yazdani. Gave up two, zero, zero, three, zero, two, zero, 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 four to Jordan Burroughs, a match he won, two, zero, 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 zero. That was at uh, Pans. Two, he gave up five to Karugliev. He won. Zero zero, and then six to Yazdani. Two to Nick Renan in twenty eighteen. Yeah, I haven't made it that far <laughs> back. I'm still in twenty nineteen. Zero zero six to Yazdani, who he beat eleven six. Um, so this guy is really really hard to score on. People have are, have a hard time getting the points, and I think that's the one thing you look at. How you, how are you going to score on this guy? And he's got the offense. He's got such good short offense front head. He's so good at the reattacks. He's so good in the scrambles and connect. I feel like David's wrestling is going to age well, right? He's got a style that works almost like how, how did Kale come back at 2011 after a seven-year layoff? It's like, well, a lot of the positions where he's in are just always going to be be there and be good. He wasn't someone that's relying on amazing lightning quick speed. for the. It's like when we're connected, when you're on my leg, I'm on your leg. I'm problem solving. And I think David's similar in that way. And that's why he's going to be able to, if he wants to continue beyond 24, if he wants to, he may not. But I wouldn't be surprised if he gets to the end and he's like, man, I can still make teams. Why would I not continue to do this? Yeah. Um, at that point, maybe he'll be like just ready to move on and do something else. But I don't, I don't think, I'll say this. If Dayton, if David gives up the 86 spot, It'll be voluntar- voluntary. It's not going to be taken from him. He's going to have to give it away and say, someone else go. Not um, this cycle for sure. No, 
that that's that's where I'm at with it. Till someone prove you can pull this in 23 or 24 and have a big big bookmark this episode and you can have a big laugh at me. But right now, I'm just I'm just not entertaining any. This guy's right there with David thought. Um, whereas maybe I kind of got talked into that at the Olympics. Well, look, he had that incredibly close match with Gabe Dean on the NLWC card. Yep. That was part of that. Mm-hmm. Driving force narrative, yeah. And then he handled Gabe Dean, beat him four to zero, not a blowout by right. any means. Um, and he only beat Bonicle six zero, four zero. Um, that's th- pretty freaking good. I know, but that's part of like what I was saying, like pace a little bit, slowing down a little bit. I I just don't feel like he's. He also wrestles that guy probably a ton. The familiarity's got to jam yes. that up to an extent. Um, for sure. Um, and then this year, part of that driving force is that we hadn't seen him wrestle prior since yeah. Worlds. And that's, so there was mi- there's mystery around it. Yes. Like, you know, is he is he maybe a little hurt? Is Has he fallen off a little bit? How motivated is he? There, there, there were questions surrounding him going yeah. into this. And that that's the other thing about match one. It's like, okay, you want to say he was close and Zahid was up 2-0 in the second. It's like, all right, that's his first match in eight months, and he won 4-2. And then he then an hour later, he wins 10-0 in a match that could have been... Kicked tw- off the rest a little bit. 20-0, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Zahid had no answer for him at that in that second match. And David had computer brain figured out all the things that he was doing, and... Shut it down and, and scored tremendously. So he looked, he looked really good. He looks like a, um, I mean, we know what it's going to be. It's going to be him versus Yazdani. It's going to be scary. It's going to be really tough. Um, oh, of note, talking talking with David after that, he was, or before Final X, he's basically he basically admitted he's like, yeah, I mean, I did Worlds because it's an opportunity and do it, but. I was was my head heart really in it and this is a, this is sort of paraphrasing but like was I really training the way I, I did for the Olympics like maintaining that level of focus and the the after you reach the mountaintop and then turning around a couple months later is was really hard for him and even still he acknowledges he was a finish away from winning that match right he had the leg up in the air and he just couldn't quite put Yazdani down and that's David basically acknowledging he's like that wasn't the best me out there, um, mm-hmm. which in the moment I, I don't think he was ready to, to say that, but it make it makes sense. And it was a question everyone had going into this, especially for for him. Like, man, after you reach that high, how do you, can you maintain it and ride that out a couple months? And this is a high that he reached. Not only was winning the Olympics a lifelong basic goal for him and something he set out to do, but it was like a two year run there from. With with COVID backing everything up of him this long long journey to an Olympic title, so it, it makes sense. Um, okay, so that was that was David talked about that. Um, other final X thoughts. Oh, you know what? I know whose thoughts you actually want. You want our thoughts. You want JD's thoughts, obviously. But look at this skinny Ben. He is thinking about you guys, and he sent a nice little couple minute uh, long thoughts on Final X that he would like to talk to you about. So uh, let's, let's let's hear it from the funky one. Yo, what's going on, guys? Sorry, I'm not on FRL this week to give all my opinions of Final X New York. We also couldn't do it Friday because we were at duels. But hey, Wisconsin made the finals. We were so close, this close. 
35-35. We almost beat Ohio in the 16U Freestyle National Duels. So here's my thoughts. Final X, New York. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a better show uh, than Oklahoma. A lot of really good matchups. Um, hmm, where do I start? Okay, Yanni, Evan Henderson. Um, I thought this is kind of what we expected, right? Yanni dominated match two. Match one was really interesting. He had to win in the last couple seconds. Um, Evan Henderson had some really strong position. He was able to get to them, score points. Um, I would not have called the first match being that close, but you know we talked about being a possibility, and that that was kind of how it played out. Um, biggest upset got to be Zilmer over Gwizdowski. I don't think anyone called that. Um, he looked good. He looked really good. I mean, for a guy, I everyone's still blown away by the fact that the guy started at 103 pounds and now he's on the world team as a heavyweight. It's it's freaking crazy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does at heavyweight. He seems like he's just continued to get better as he's gotten bigger. Just better and better and better. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does at Worlds because I'm not sure what to expect out of him there. Uh, Kyle Dake up next. Listen, Jason Nolf made this really, really interesting. Um, I don't think Kyle Dake scored a takedown in either of the matches. Um, and I really didn't like one of the caution ones. No no good on that. Um, not a fan of that one. Uh, I also thought Dake maybe could have got put on the clock in the first match. But nevertheless, um, Nolf's closing the gap, right? That was that was the thing in the, in the last three matches that I, I was thinking about is like, are the... Are the challengers going to be closing the gap on the incumbents? And I think in all three cases, the answer is yes, right? So um, the first one would be Nolf and Dake. Those matches were closer than any matches they've had previously. Um, the second one being Burroughs and Marsteller, which we'll talk about. And the last one being uh, Zahid and David. And so I think I think Nolf looked really good. I thought he closed the gap. Um, I found it interesting that... Dake really couldn't get to any takedowns or score any points. Um, you know, he did what he needed to do to win, but definitely, I don't know, if, I would say definitely not uh, impressive or definitely not like it looked like the last time. Um, next up would be Chance and Jordan. I think I think people would have lost a lot of money this if they were betting on does Chance take a match. Um, Chance looked good, man. In that match, the second match, who's the only one that got the takedown? Um, was able to win that match. Burroughs got two one-pointers in the takedown win. So, uh, fan chance. Another guy, right? We said that was Zilmer, but another guy who just continued to get better. And I think this is something we're seeing with the – we've talked about it a lot, and we're seeing with the RTC systems is it's keeping guys around longer, which means they're continuing to improve past college, which wasn't a thing a while ago. So, it's, it's really awesome. Um, Zahid David, first match was really competitive, 4-2. to two. Um, Some really good exchanges. And then the second match was a blowout. I mean, I think after the first match, you were thinking, you were feeling pretty comfortable David was going to win, but you would not have predicted it to be 10 0. So that was, that was interesting. Um, I think Zahid proved he can make it interesting, but now, you know, at some point, Zahid's probably going to have to win two out of three matches against David. He's not going to get, you know, David's not going to be in a tournament where it's going to, he can sneak one out on him and be done. He's going to win two out of three. And huh, I, think, I think he's a ways away from that. So. We'll see how much he can close the gap. Um, Helen with great, 2-10-0 wins. But the person who impressed me the most out of all the people in the field, um, Sarah Hildebrandt. Dude, she looked so good. Uh, her attacks were so crisp. Her lace is so strong. Um, she's another one who's just continued to get better and better and better. I think I think of all the competitors at Final X New York, um, she really impressed me. I really, 
I thought that Alyssa Lampy looked really good at uh, the trials, and I thought she would be able to make it competitive, um, and it wasn't slightly competitive. So uh, Sarah Hildebrandt, man, she was on fire. She looked so good. Um, that's all I got. I'm going to the Grand Canyon, so you guys won't see me for three or four days going rafting. Uh, Amy set this up a little while ago. I will be back the next week on FRL. I'll see you guys then. Peace. The funky one has spoken, um, and yes, the OWL Final X New York was Sarah to me. Um, I thought, well, maybe Hayden, they would probably give it to Hayden Zilmer, but most outsta- the truly most outstanding wrestler was Sarah Hildebrandt. She was, she looked ridiculous, and I felt like Ben felt that Alyssa would make it interesting. Alyssa Lampy is very seasoned. She's strong. She's got decent. Uh, leg attacks. I, I thought it would at least be resistance. And Sarah just hot knife through butter against a very, very good Alyssa Lampy. And man, Sarah is she's a, she's certainly one of our pound for pound best in the women's freestyle ranks. Even amongst the, she's right there with the Helen Tamira sort of conversation. In my mind, it's just what what eludes her is she's in this these brackets that are so tough and. You know, Yui Sasaki exists, and that's maybe the pound-for-pound pound number one. She's up there. There's a couple uh, Japanese wrestlers that are maybe in that conversation, um, but it's it's a really tough weight class. And But Sarah just looks fantastic. 50 kilograms is something she seems to have a real handle on in terms of the weight. It's definitely a not a comfortable wake-up for her, but she looks – her wrestling is just fantastic. And – yeah, she was really impressive. Helen, I, and I think we knew with Helen, um, you know, that Alex Hedrick was just not going to be competition for her. Um, but you sort of thought, you know, listen, Lampy's she's meddled at Worlds before. He thought it'd be a little more competitive. But Helen look continues to look awesome. She said she feels she's wrestling as well as she ever has. Which is a scary thought. We started the the Amit Allure senior level. Um, Chapter has begun. She's made the team. She was dominant over Skylar Grote. She she wrestles a, a, a very intelligent style. She doesn't take a lot of risks. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's great with the ties. She's good at taking ground. She's good with underhooks. She's very sound defensively. She's going to be a problem at 72. Uh, I really feel that way. So excited to see that. See how she does. At the next level, as we've got a, a young crop of, of upperweights in women's freestyle wrestling that we're excited for, and Amita Lord could be the first one to bring home a, a senior level medal. So excited for all that for sure. Um, yeah, Ben's 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 going whitewater rafting. That have you ever done that? Mm-hmm. Like the most fun thing that maybe maybe fun. you can do. It is so awesome. Uh, a little jealous of that, but good good for Ben. You know, to the victor go the spoils, as they say. <laughs> Um, other news, uh, as we'll, we'll kind of jump around a little bit, we'll maybe circle back to final X, um, Imar to Illinois as the volunteer assistant coach there, um, was, did not, this was not on my radar at all. And, um, but yeah, head, headed back to his alma mater that he just left. He was on staff there and competing there, left to go to Oregon state. And then, um, now uh, heads back to Illinois. So I'm sure um, Illinois is happy to have him back. They are, they are very excited about the NCAA credentials of their coaching staff. I don't know if that correlates to anything, but they are excited about it. Um, 
and yeah, good good for Illinois. Jordan Lean, the new head coach at Brown, and this is uh, you know, Todd Beckerman stepped down there this a couple months ago. And so Lean going to get a crack at it. It's a, makes a lot of sense. He's been on the ranks for a while uh, as an assistant coach. He um, is an Ivy alum. He went to Cornell. He was the NCAA champion. Makes sense to me. Yeah, good hire. Cool. Let's go. You you were excited about this uh, a voicemail. Joe from Colorado is that the one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go. It's a little old. Hey guys, Joe from Colorado. First time, long time. All that. Um, how, I, I feel the need to stand up for CP here and say that Vito really does have a shot here. They're only talking about oh, the jump Gilman took. The jump Gilman took. Gilman was on a different level. Crap. For what? <laughs> from the Olympic trials to just the Olympics shortly after. I, who says he wasn't already on that same level at the Olympic trials, right, where he barely beat Vito? Now, I know he was hurt the second match, but I just – I don't necessarily assume that the huge jump Gilman did make was after the Olympic trials. That huge jump could have very well happened right before the Olympic trials, and Vito could very well be right on his level. So that's all. Just wanted to uh, – someone else to weigh in on Christian's side. See ya. <laughs> I didn't know this was set up radio live. <laughs> Listen, actually, prior to the hit, <laughs> had we not known what we already know, which is that Gilman just just absolutely destroyed Vito in two matches, it's like that actually sort of uh, makes sense because the jump. When was the jump? I don't know because you could say, and I I will say he could be right that the jump happened before trials because or at trials because we don't know because actually it was match one. He hurt his foot when he was down. Yes. So that that could be the case, but v, yeah, Vito's not there. Not with not with TPG. That's that's for sure. Um, yeah. Well, I didn't know that was such a setup. I got all excited. <laughs> but why? I should have known it was a trap when the guy is giving me credit. It's like JD would never never do such a thing. So um, all right, fine. If anybody else wants to call in and leave their thoughts, we would love to hear them. And call in five one five. Sheesh. That's that's the number. Cold setup. And uh, I I promise listen to them more frequently. Uh, I was just listening to that one yesterday and got a chuckle and wanted to play. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, The next one, actually, we can do Adam from Council Bluffs, too. His is about Thomas Gilman as well. TPG Question Radio Live. Let's go. Hello, this is Adam M. from Council Bluffs, Iowa. Um, I'm asking this question in regards to my friend Jimmy R. from New Jersey. When was the last time that Thomas Gilman had a domestic loss in freestyle? My guess would be eighth grade, just seeing if you guys had any insight. Yeah, he famously lost right before Olympic trials, too. It won Zach Sanders and Seth Gross. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, Council Bluffs. Um, so he's lost to domestic his domestic losses. Um, I mean, he lost to Dayton in final X twenty. Oh, did we talk about um, Gilman saying he was embarrassed? Uh, he like went back, or I guess he remembered his like press conference performance before final X Lincoln when he lost to Dayton, and he said he was like d- like disgusted with himself and he's totally lack of humility, and then he basically. Um, 
and he's like, and then this guy whooped me, Dayton. Um, I thought that was really, really interesting. Uh, I guess I, I didn't even, I didn't watch uh, since I was in Ohio. I didn't even know he oh, said that. Yeah, yeah, he did. That was interesting. Um, Gilman's Candors uh, is refreshing, very refreshing. I love it. All right, um, looking through the chat here. I'm, sk- I'm skimming right. I'm not even reading what Keith Gothard's writing at this point. We're just at that point in the show. There's no, there's no, no, nothing to read there. Um, we need Ollie to come on the show. Well, the real Avery Lynch. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. Um, it might happen tomorrow. No Shane Sparks uh, this week. So maybe we get Ollie to come on. We'll see. You know, he he's very extra, as he will acknowledge. He needs enough sleep. This is this is early. So, but we're going to try to get him on. But I can't promise. The Avery, Avery Lynch wants a Aussie update and a Natalie hype up the crowd at school. Um, the Aussie update I can't provide. Natalie, yes, she uh, she led this chant at her camp, and it was the it was the coolest thing ever. Um, maybe we'll show it one time when when JD's a, a little low energy. <laughs> we'll have uh, Natalie fire her up, fire, that, that, fire him that up. Was intimidating. It was. Yeah, she hit the ground. <laughs> it was like Ray Lewis level. It was uh, like, uh, what's the New Zealand rugby team? Oh, that does yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Maybe she has, she has rugby in her future. Who knows? Uh, if Jordan never bumped up to 149 or 65, 70 kilograms and was always 133, would his international career look any different? Well, I don't uh, – probably not. So who would have been in his way at 60, 61? Steber. Um, Steber, for sure. Um, they definitely had some back and forth. It was mostly Jordan winning those. Um, Reese. I, I think it's similar. I think he's on the cusp always, maybe sometimes. I mean, 60, it's it's tough because that was just not realistic weight for him to make anymore. I mean, this guy Correct. bumped up two weight classes in a year. Um, excuse me. That's pretty uncommon. So I, I don't think it looks too much different, but who knows. So this is a question I've asked strength and scrapping uh, at Wrestling Lifter. How did the grounding rule even start? Horrible to watch it being gamed and taken advantage of. That's what I've been trying to get to the heart of. It's like, okay, what did – when they came up with this rule, I've, a lot of rules, they you come up with them after you see something that happens that you want to stop. So I'm like, what does this rule – like, for example, in folk style, the neutral danger zone. They were tired of seeing guys passing a leg, hanging out on their back, and nothing happening. So they made a rule to change it. We know that was happening. The drop-down rule in folk style. We hate it, so you can't drop down the leg anymore. There's a count. What does the grounding actually prevent? What did they – yes, Joe Caprino, you're right. We, we, we got that it began with the step out, but we just don't know why. Why they thought it was a good idea. Why they thought this is what we need – um, to what does it think it's preventing? That's what I don't understand. No one knows. I don't know. <laughs> Sc- scholars maintain the translations were lost over thousands of years ago. That's where I'm at with it. I, I really don't know. Um, so strength and scrapping. We are we are on a quest. Um, we have missions here. We're trying to eliminate this rule. Our our agenda is clear. We want the death of this rule. It's been agreed upon by the team, and we'll be using our media. Power and energy to eliminate this this rule. Uh, it probably won't work, but you know what? All we can do is try. My my guess um, 
would be because once upon a time, uh, they were trying really trying to prevent like straight arm pushing and basically push outs. That's why it's called a, a step out. Yep. Now now it's basically just whatever. It's fine if you straight arm push in in freestyle, but a like a front head front headlock position where you just push them out of bounds, and if they stay on their knees, they're just gonna slide out. Like they can literally slide across the mat and go out of bounds. Probably that situation is what they're trying to avoid. So Israel Thomas in the Facebook chat says it basically it originated from people pushing guys out in parterre defense. So yeah, the the obvious parterre defense in its what the way we think about it is a guy's on top, he's gotten a takedown or gotten some sort of control and he's working for a turn, lace, gut, whatever. Um, but the the obvious rule change there is, yeah, if you're on top and uh, working a gut and you drive a guy out of bounds, you shouldn't get a step out there. I think that's sort of obvious. But if there's no scoring, there's no one in control or on top or working for a, a turn in that way, then just say no. You, it's just a straight step out at that point. Um, that's the obvious change there uh, if that's why it, it exists right works for me okay uh, other questions before we depart do you see regression in Jaden or is he doing just enough to get it done he never really seems to be in danger um, follow up question why does Pyle hate Mizzou with Jacoby he is uh, he's nothing if not consistent JD I don't hate Mizzou love Jane Cox um, consider him a friend and I do not think he is regressing. I think one similar to Nolf. I give credit. I give credit to Nate Jackson. This is a former training partner. I credited Nolf having a little more familiarity with Dake as uh, an attribute that helped him. Similarly, s- familiarity for Nate Jackson. I gave credit to Nolf for good game planning. Similarly, Reese Humphrey game planning for Jaden. And so one, I'm giving credit to. Similar to Dake, we've seen this with Jaden. It's not a new phenomenon that he wins close matches, and sometimes you're like, why doesn't he go? And I don't know the answers, and Jaden maybe doesn't either. But seeing him, you know, sometimes not scoring or not going, or then when he goes to get it, um, feeling like, wow, just do that always, that's common. And so I'm not ready to, to go there. With Jaden, and also there's there's an element of this with with Jaden, is that he is a, a, a world champion multiple times over, but he's he's done it at, at 92, which has not been the deepest weight internationally as well. So it's not like it's a, a Jordan Burroughs blitzing the field in a, uh, in 2013 type of thing against a really good field, or like maybe 11 is a better example because that was like the deepest field. It's, you know, 92 only has a few guys that, that could really contend with him. And so I think uh, I think that's part of it, too. Like, there's it's not been the deepest weights he's navigated as well. So I'm not I'm not worried about Jaden. I think he's got a little bit of time. He had to transition from training locations, from, you know, the OTC, and then he's got, you know, the NJRTC. Now he's in Michigan and, you know, personal stuff going on in his life with, with his brother and he's been open about so there's a lot going on with Jaden. i think once serbia comes around um he'll be my pick to win worlds i think he's you watch that iran match and he's i we all kind of think he should have won there but to, to to the question from wick yeah i mean 
we felt like Jaden could have could have got that match in Iran, and he just was a little late pulling the trigger and lost. So th there is some an element of nervousness going in. Of note, Jaden will be on the Bader show shortly after this show. Okay. So hang around for 15 minutes, switch over to the Bader show, and Jaden will be chatting up with Bader for upwards to an hour or something. I don't know. Yeah. Joe Caprino says there are technically no takedowns in freestyle. Well, that's why... It gets confusing because they say any wrestler in parterre. And technically, if you are on a knee... One knee. It is parterre, but by rule in the WWE rulebook. I was Wednesday years old when I found out that in... Uh, we're going back to the trash grounded rule. If Yanni Hendo match one, if you... They were in that wizard seatbelt position on the edge, and I think... Evan or Yanni wizard down hard, and Evan's hand hit out, and his body was hovering over the uh, out-of-bounds line. Like, if it was a cylinder, like like in folk style. Yeah, so not touching the out-of-bounds, just right. his hand was on the mat. Nothing else was. And they gave one. And then if you listen to the call, Christian Piles was confused because the head didn't hit. I didn't understand why that was a one. And then Kozak... Goes, goes on the deep dive on YouTube for an unlisted rules video that says if a hand touches out and the body is over the out-of-bounds line, that is also one. Yes. I did not know that was a rule. I did not know that. And listen, I'm not a ref. They've never let me be a ref. I'd be kicked out of that club immediately. But I didn't know that was a rule. I know that's how it was called. I know I've seen that exact scenario not called one many, many, many times. Um, so they got that call right, which is great, but it just adds to the um, ambiguity and the confusion for a sport that I don't want to be confusing. And that's the heart of all of this. I don't want this sport to confuse everybody, right? I think that's the worst thing that can happen is people watch and they can't understand it. And even people who really, really, really love the sport and watch it all the time, when they can't understand it, red flags. Uh Kozak, I think it'll be coming out today. He he did the deepest of deep dives yeah. on the grounded rule. I'm sure he got back to the uh, to the origins of it and yes. when it started implementing. He's coming out with a video about what it is, why it's called like this sometimes, why it's called like this, what it should be called, international versus U.S. So it, it, it'll be really good. Kozak did a major deep dive into this this past weekend. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, yeah, oh, Monday FRLs, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Um, the, the complications there are during the D1 season, it's it's tough for Ben. Ben coaches all Sunday, Sunday long, so he doesn't – he catches up on what happened on Sunday on Monday. But we're just going to – figure it out and I'll try to find a way to get him up to speed quickly so he knows what's going on and then um, the other complication is that JD's on the road a little bit more but maybe a little bit less next year um, so he's sometimes traveling on Mondays that was the original reason that there were no Monday FRLs because it used to be on Monday for the longtime listeners you know this and then we got rid of it because I was literally on the road all the time flying home on Mondays so it made no sense so we just moved it to Tuesday but now I'm home more, you know, so let's do it. Monday's just necessary. It's just 
what we should go get back to. So it'll happen. We'll figure it out. There's not really as much of a need for it on uh, in the summer because there's such less wrestling. Uh, and like the, the events like Worlds is like through the week, so it's not as helpful there. So I think we probably won't change it up then. But definitely before the D1 season, it will happen um, by force if necessary. Not that anyone's even opposing it, but it's just good to say things like that. Um, don't make Tuesdays a repeat segments from Monday's episodes. That's a great idea, Keith. I really thought we were just going to say the exact same things twice, but no, we'll try to we'll try to not do that. Um, see, see, you were, you guys have been getting these shots off for years, and I wasn't in this chat. <laughs> now, I'm I'm uh, I'm putting it out there. I'm gonna be fighting back. And the 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 bad thing is, you guys, no one's gonna hear what you say. But you know what I was thinking about? What would be cool that we can't do, but maybe we could do. So if we if we just start pulling in the chat guys on on the. Uh, into the show every now and again. Just be like, boom. Tyler picks them from the from the Facebook metaverse and gives them some link and they call it and then we get Keith Gothard until uh, he irritates us. Then we kick him off again. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, All right, you're playing a dangerous game. I know. I know. Joe Caprino, Monday should have guests like Keith. You're, you're right. That's what I'm saying. I'll have Keith Gothard. That's on. what I'm saying. We still want to hear your thoughts. You can call in. call into the voicemail. Leave your thoughts on, on whatever, and if the thoughts are good thoughts, we'll play the thoughts. If they're bad thoughts, he'll play them too. If it embarrasses me, that's true. That's also true. <laughs> that's that's a big big angle for JD. Just embarrass me. Five one five. No. Jeff, five zero nine five zero seven one. One more time. Call toll free. Five one five five zero nine five zero seven one. There you go, Jeff. You're never gonna kick me out of the Facebook chat now. Now I understand what you guys do. The little the little shots you take. Pot shots? No, 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 sir. Let me. Um, I think it's time to go. I think we did it. No, I'm not. Man, now he's talking about OnlyFans. <laughs> Keith, this is why. This see, I'm already regretting my my suggestion of pulling these guys in. This to yourself. Oh, I, you're right. You're right, guys. Thank you so much for bearing with us these last couple FRLs. I know it was tough with final X's, and I. Promise we're gonna to try to have a better solution next year, Final X. We have a we have a whole year to figure out how we're gonna do it better. For JD Raider and all the people in the chat, thank you. Goodbye. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have tacos and maybe, just maybe, the return, the triumphant return of Oliver Stone. We'll see. You'll have to tune in tomorrow to find out if America's heavyweight is gonna be back on the show. We'll see. Thanks so much. See you then. <laughs>